Stick to Hockey Live is presented by Park Sportsbook. Download the Park Sportsbook app and get a $500 risk-free bet just for signing up. Also, our podcast provider, Wildfire Podcasting. If you or your business wants to start a podcast, talk to my friends at Wildfire Podcasting. Their studio located just minutes from Philadelphia in Clementon, New Jersey. And if you're thinking of a career in sports broadcasting, you got something to say or you want to gain followers for your business, do that through Wildfire Podcasting. Email Jim, jim at wfgnj.com. Tell them Jason sent you and your first show is free. And also visit wildfirepodcast.com. All righty, here we go. We are going live. And it is time for Park Sportsbook Presents... Stick to Hockey Live. I'm still having issues with my Twitter streaming this, so I'm going to put the YouTube link on my Twitter handle. It works on all the other Twitters, but it's not working on mine. I don't know what the deal is, but it is Park Sportsbook presents Stick to Hockey Live. Jason Martinez, Russ Cohen going to join us at Sportsology in just a couple of minutes, and we've got a lot to discuss on this episode, but let me tell you about Parks first and foremost. They present this podcast. They present the Aggies podcast with Harry Mays. And we thank everybody for listening to both. And we appreciate it. Leave us a rating and review. Follow us. Uh, subscribe if you listen on audio formats like uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us a rating and review for this podcast, for Aji's, whatever. Um, it helps other people find this podcast as well and exposes more people to it. And we greatly appreciate it. We've had such great guests coming on. Our first repeat guest today is Russ Will. Join us in just a minute. And he was on the first episode of the Return to Stick to Hockey and the live version of it. And you got to get the Park Sportsbook app and download it on either your Android or your iPhone. Easy to use, simple to use. Parks is right here in the Delaware Valley. They're local. That's why we love them. We trust them. It's simple to use, easy deposits, fast payouts, all of those things available for you. And for new customers right now, you can get up to $500 risk-free bet just uh, for your first bet. If it loses, that's only if it loses, though, we'll give you winners and Tone will join us on Thursday. He's been doling out the windows. There's no promo code required. Just deposit. And if you lose your first bet is risk free up to five hundred dollars. You can use it on uh, a, a single game bet, whether you want to bet the puck line, the money line. You want to use it on a first to score or you want to use it on an exact score. Whatever you want to do, your first bet is risk free up to five hundred dollars. So download the Park Sportsbook app. And check it out. It's so easy to navigate or go to parkscasino.com slash PA. All the details are there. Follow Parks on Twitter at Park Sportsbook. Follow them on Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, as I mentioned, all those different areas. So make sure you check it out. It's so great to use and and uh, I enjoy it thoroughly. Matter of fact, we tend to bust it open on this podcast and we tend to bust it open on the Aji's podcast with Harry Mays as well. Let me turn this volume down because I'm going to link up this uh, YouTube feed now for Stick to Hockey Live. And I got to do this while we go here because live uh, link right here with guest and we'll put we'll put Sportsology in there. So we're doing things on the fly this week. Uh, we got to put the little ad symbol in there. That helps. That tags it a lot better. There we go. And uh, we've popped in the link and we're good to go. These are the things you got to do when all of a sudden Twitter is not your friend. 
It's not my friend right now because I've sent multiple messages to Twitter going, why is my StreamYard not linking to my personal Twitter account? It keeps booting me out for some reason. And frankly, it's it's pissing me off. But there's a lot of things to talk about. So let's get to them right now. You know him on Twitter, at Sportsology. You know his website, sportsology.com. You know him from NHL Network Radio. You know him from the Stick to Hockey podcast. You know him from the Hockey Buzz Pie. He's all over the place. He's a multimedia sensation, and he joins us now. It is Russ Cohen. Russ, how we doing? Good, Jay. Thanks for that great intro. It, it may really be the great. best the best introduction you've ever gotten. It probably is. My dad wouldn't even give me an intro like that, honestly, and I was just with him. Oh, wow. He's not going to give you the accolades that I gave you. No. Uh, what's going on? What's uh, How's the weekend been, and how's life at the, uh, at the Cohen household? Weekend's good. Um, I did have to endure that last Flyers game, which was brutal to go to. Um, the... The Jets game was interesting. At least uh, they they gave Buffalo some problems, and Josh Allen wasn't happy, so that was good. Um, I had to, and I'm starting to endure, um, I want to say, delusional Eagles fans that just think it's easy to beat Tom Brady when he throws five touchdowns in his last game, and he's got like 50-something on the year. And it's like, I always say, and I know you beat him in the Super Bowl once. I get it. And it was a miracle play. It was. That's how you could beat Tom Brady, on a miracle play, or you have to injure him. Other yeah. than that, it's almost impossible to beat the guy. Yeah, I mean, and the guy won the Super Bowl last year for the 1900th time, so yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it's not an easy task, but no. it's fun at least. And yes. I mean, since I got let go from the radio show back a couple of years ago, my my interest in the other sports, and it's one of the reasons why I ended the weekend talk show, is, and you know, I do all Flyers games now, all 82, all preseason, all that stuff. Yeah. And I just needed a break from everything. So after all those years, 20 whatever years, 20 <laughs> some years of having to watch every sporting event. And look, I'm get me a violin, right? There's worse <laughs> things to do for a living. I understand. I just needed a break. I really have not paid a whole lot of close attention to the NFL, even the Eagles this year. I'm more interested in in sports that don't give me the middle finger, like Formula One. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you you're you've got the stick to F1 podcast with Anthony. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm not a race guy, so I get that. But um, I watch just the Jets and an occasional other game when I have nothing to do or there's nothing on, and then I'll watch some Eagles because it's the only team my dad will talk about other than the Phillies, who I hate. But he used to be a Mets fan. He used to be a Jets fan. He lives in this area. Now, it, it, like, some kind of mysterious thing took over him, probably just the fact that the games are on. And so yeah. that's what he wants to talk about. So to stay, can, I have to be able to stay conversational. But I'm with yeah. you. I, you know, the NFL is ugh, <laughs> not my favorite. Yeah, well, I know you're a big Mets fan as well, and you live. Yeah, the Mets thing will always died more than you've lived with them. <laughs> it's a sickness. That's a yeah. sickness. Yeah, it is an ailment. That's for sure. It is. Let, let me let's start with the Flyers because there's a lot to get into, Russ. Here, there's some really some some people will look at it as a difficult conversation to have, but I think there's some realizations that we need to come to. I talked about this with Bill Meltzer on today's Flyers Daily as well, but let's start with a positive because what I have seen so far out of Cam York. And I know you've seen Cam a lot, both mm. when he was a prospect uh, heading into the draft and then obviously his collegiate career at Michigan and USNTDB play. And then obviously at the World Juniors where he won gold and that uh, you called an upset over Team Canada mm -hmm. and the way they, they got the job done for Team USA a year ago. 
But let's talk about what you've seen out of him so far this year in the NHL because he looks incredibly calm to me. He looks poised. He looks ready for the NHL. Maybe he didn't look so ready when he was playing the AHL this year, but sometimes players, when they get to the NHL, look more NHL ready than they do prior to getting there. To me, he looks like a guy that needs to be in the lineup. I mean, yeah, I watched AHL too with him this year, and yeah, there were times where I think it may have been his partners and other things, but I still think Zamul is a smidge ahead of him. I'll say that before that I right? talk about your. Why is I that? Uh, I think because he's a little more athletic. He's a little bit different than York. And I think because he's a little older, he's a little stronger physically. York mm-hmm. still has to get stronger physically. That's the only downside to him is he will still lose some puck battles. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if he's not a top pairing defenseman. If he's a bottom pairing this year, you could lose puck battles. And, and that's fine because most of the bottom pairing of the Flyers lose puck battles anyhow. Yeah. So I think until he's physically stronger, that's like the one weakness in his game. He, I don't know if he's a true power play one guy. And I'll tell you that just right out of the gate. Now, if you want him there and you want him there to just, you know, pass the puck around safely and, you know, get a shot on net, you know, he could do that. But I don't know if he'll be any better than Provorov is on the power play. He's not like a dynamic shot on the power play. He's got a good shot, but it's not like a dynamic shot on the power play. So that's something where, you know, over time, the Flyers will have to figure out, like if Ryan Ellis ever gets healthy, Ryan Ellis is a better player power play one guy than cam york that's just the yeah. way it is and, and, and yandel I, was brought in to be that but yeah he's some... just too much wrong with his game now that he can't yeah. get there i mm-hmm. i had hope that he could do it too but he can't get there like that's we could see that but otherwise york played well i mean you know the assist on the power play was good his first game there was a couple of you know mediocre shifts and then he started to have better shifts um i forget who it was oh he was having a lot of trouble with maxime comtois who's a Mm -hmm. big, strong, fast kid. I mean, that's, you know, that's something where, you know, that's going to be challenging for him. Uh, But then in the last game, he was better until the three-on-three, and that's fine. It's three-on-three. You're going to get burned. Anybody gets burned in three-on-three, so I don't count that too heavily. So I don't mind keeping him up. Matter of fact, I'm of the belief now, and again, I don't know if there's some sort of handshake agreement. I would have, you know, sat Yandel weeks ago, but apparently they won't. So... I don't know how many games after he sets the mark will they finally sit him. But if it were me, and I honestly, I picked this team to be sixth preseason. I did. Mm -hmm. And the reason was not because I knew Ellis would get hurt, not because I, you know, it's always different reasons, right? You know how hockey is. You could have your reasons for why you think a team will win or lose, and it'll end up being different reasons. But my my biggest thing was... There's so many variables, yeah. There's too many variables. But my biggest thing was... Can all this work out? There's a lot that they've picked up in the offseason. Can it all gel? And then the answer is we've never had the chance to see it all gel. Yeah. So, you know, that's that is that was the one thing I was wondering if they could overcome. But as far as right now, I would play as many youngsters as I could only because I know what I'm getting out of these other guys. And to be honest, there's only about six guys that are giving max effort any particular game on offense, on the offensive side of things. Yeah. See, in one of the, one of those variables, it's interesting, Russ, because one of the variables I want to swing back to York in a second, but one of those yeah. variables was will the goaltending bounce back? To me, that for the most part, it has, and mm-hmm. the 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 team hasn't had been able to use it as a benefactor. That's the thing. The one thing about York on the power play that I really like, Russ, mm-hmm. because this is something that I've complained about up and down about the Flyers' power play when it struggles is that there's too many stationary players. 
a stationary player trying to yeah. pass to a stationary target. And therefore, what does it do for the PK group? It makes it so easy. Yeah. Because if and the that, guys aren't moving, then it's easy. But and York that is was what like happens. a water bug. He is. He does know how to move from side to side. He'll do the crossovers. Provorov does that for about 20 seconds on the power play, and then and he, he gets stops. stationary. Yeah. yeah, and then he stops, and that's the bad part about him. His shot happens to get through, so that's a, a, a positive, but the negative is exactly what you said, and that is a positive of York. No question. I've seen him do that, and, and that is a good thing. You would hope more guys would move on the power play. You would hope somebody would actually go to the net yeah. on the power play and otherwise nobody went to the net last game at all. Even though JVR was scoring, nobody goes to the net. I had to tweet, like, is anybody going to go net front? It's like, yeah. it, it's almost embarrassing at this point. And, and that's like the tried and true tactic to score in the NHL. Take the goalie's yeah. eyes away, disrupt his space, yeah. force him to have to look around guys. And you're never going to score on that point shot. If you don't have a really good net front presence, sometimes even a double, you need a, a layered screen. Yes. A lot of times. To yeah. Score. Double screens. I mean, I'm, I just just as an example, um, last year there was a guy on Sirius that was just killing Chris Kreider, killing his contract, killing everything. And I went on right after him, like, this guy's crazy. He's wrong. Kreider's a good player. I don't know what he's looking at. This is a good contract, and you'll be wrong on this. And Chris Kreider, 99% of his goals this year are coming right in the slot, right in the crease, either on the power play, taking the goalie's eyes away, or jamming it in. Does he have a really good shot? Yes. But is that how he's really scoring? No. No. He's going to the net. And his shooting yeah. percentages, I mean, the numbers he's putting up are absurd, but his shooting percentages through the roof, yeah. that will tend to even out a little bit. The yes. thing about Kreider for me is, man, there's like all these physical gifts there, and it's just not consistent. But he's not that player. He's, he's not more that of a player. power forward, and they don't, they don't flow with consistency because they create it's a lot of times it's he goes to those spots and he'll go to those spots. But if the puck doesn't bounce to him, then he doesn't right. have an opportunity. No, no, that's true. I mean, he he's more of like a skilled power forward. He's not a true power forward. He, he can, can squat move, 575 pounds, but he, he, it, you know, it's not his first look to put somebody through the boards. That's just not the yep. way he's played as he's come up the, uh, the ladder. But as far as the flyers, you know, JVR is supposed to go to the crease. He doesn't, he goes there sometimes. And, you know, if you're expecting Zach McEwen to go to crease and those hands to actually do something, it's not. That's yeah. why Vancouver had no problem cutting him because they tried it. He, he creates a lot of disruption here. Here's the biggest misnomer, I think, on the Flyers right now. For whatever reason, Mike Yo loves his fourth line because they give effort. They win some faceoffs. They get puck possession. There's only one thing. They can't score. Yeah. They're fourth no, line no, players for a reason. Yeah. But, you know, they have some guys like. Linus Sandin, if he doesn't get a look this year at the NHL, he's probably going to go back. Yeah. He's probably going to go back. They're not even giving him a sniff. And, and and look, for all the Jerry Mayhews of the world, we know what Jerry Mayhew is. We don't know what Sandin is. Why not give him a two-week look? You might be surprised. Bunneman's played well at times. And again, he just seems like another guy that's eventually going to get dealt like Aubrey Cabell did for whatever reason. I actually think Bunneman, his last time up, even the last game, looked good. But... He's not fitting in for whatever reason. He can't reason. score either. He doesn't have the hands. No, he's not a big time so scorer, but yeah. at least he has a shot and he will probably, I will say this, he'll score more than McEwen. Is that yeah. saying much? No. Uh, you know, even Wilman, who they love for everything else he does, he's not scoring. Patrick no. Brown can't score. He wins well, some faceoffs. Yeah. Like I, like I like those guys as a fourth line, but I can't, yeah. I, I, I can't like my fourth line on most nights more than the other lines no. and expect to be going anywhere. Right. And and that's the big problem. And 
So, like, as an example, last year I was saying, where's that edge that Travis Konecki is supposed to play with? I think some of the edge came back, but I'm not sure all of the will came back. He doesn't want to will in shots anymore. He used to create big-time scoring chances. He's not doing that now. And so I don't know what's happened with his game. I don't know if teams have caught on to him or he hasn't gotten any better and he's stuck in the mud. I haven't been able to figure out Konecki this year, honestly. Well, there's a lot of guys, Russ. Let's talk about that because you're a prospect guy. You see guys and projecting guys what they're going to be at the NHL level. It's a thankless task because when it it works, the the – Everybody goes, well, we knew that guy was going to project well. (laughs) And when it doesn't, it goes, why the hell didn't this guy project well? Now, there's a lot of reasons why a guy may not pan out. That It could be injury through those developmental years. It could be he just didn't have the head for it or the motor or the skill, whatever it might be. And some guys are good at lower levels, but they get to play with the big boys and they can't hack it. With Konechny, I mean, he's had an all-star season, but there's a lot of guys – and the Flyers' farm system was lauded for years as they were stocking the cupboards with D and these young players, and the rankings had them high across the NHL. And it wasn't local writers, even though people want to tweet me and say, you guys all were lauding this. I told you this this prospect group wasn't any good. But it look, people were looking at it and going, they're stocked. But right yeah, now – It was it, good. It, it, but the problem is, is it hasn't developed, or some of those pieces developed to a point and then have regressed. Yes. Where does that blame lie? Okay. So those things are multi-layered. Always you look at the player. Then you have to look at player development. Now, player development was really good under Hextall for a while. It was. And that's why a lot of those guys that he drafted, everybody's going to say, hey, listen, he didn't draft any superstars. You know what? A lot of teams don't draft any superstars. It's hard to get a generational guy on the team. You have one in Claude Giroux, and you don't even like him, half the, half the people here. But mm. But he is a generational guy, whether you believe that or not. One guy doesn't, you know, make a winning team. But anyhow, and you've seen how they play without Claude Giroux. That's it for Giroux. But as far as for the rest of these guys, so they lost a lot in Scott Gordon. And I'll tell you why. Now, this is a little bit of a knock on Ian LaPerrier because he hasn't had a great year in Lehigh. He wasn't doing great in the coaching world either, but it seems like they wanted to keep him because he's a part of the organization. They like him. So they made him coach a Lehigh. Well, that, I think, broke the development chain. And I think it was starting to break before that. I do like last year. It had to be before that. No, no, it was, but this year it fully broke down Mm -hmm. to the point now where, you know, yeah, you're seeing Cam York probably do perform better here than he will there. And, And that's a problem because if you remember Gordon and you would see it in, especially in rookie camp, how good Gordon was with these guys. And then he would be coaching them. It's different with Laperia. He doesn't have the experience that of coaching that Gordon does. He yeah. just and so I don't know why Gordon left. Was it maybe because he never got a better opportunity? I'll never know why. But that was something that hurt. And then the other is is a little bit on the players too. I feel like some players like Connecty, I haven't seen that next jump. I remember him on the Ottawa 67s. I have a good friend who was calling games for them and loved, you know, and always said, Hey, I like your Connecty coverage. And so he got to that point where he's like a 20 goal scorer and that's it. Now he's like stopped at that point. He was a 30 goal pace guy. I mean, two years, he 24 was. in a row. The second year, that was in 69 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, and he could have reached 30, Yeah, but, but now he's a 20 goal guy. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And, that's and a question so mark. you're right. Yeah. And so what's happened? Um, he still has pretty good speed. I don't think his aggressiveness in the offensive zone is the same. I think it's easy to get him off his game too. 
I do. And as far as playmaking, like he, you know, he came into the draft actually as a center, but I knew he wasn't going to play center and he's going to play wing. But you figure if somebody had the center brain, he'd be a better playmaker than he is currently. And I just yeah. don't think his playmaking is there. So that's one guy. Um, we know about Overall. Phil Meyer. Well, I'm going to bring up Phil Myers just yeah. because everybody wants to say, well, he's only played 12 games in Nashville. Nashville's stock defensively. Yeah. They are. You just wonder why they wanted him. Yeah. Well, I think they wanted him as as depth. And as an Ekholm replacement if they lost him. Or Fabro. They were a little yeah. lukewarm on Fabro last year. Now they love him, and they should because he's a really good defenseman. So I think they were hedging their bets with that one, and the Flyers had no choice but to use him. And he was okay for a while. But he never, he wasn't thinking the game fast enough. That was the problem. He, you know, he was physical, everything else. So Sandheim last year had a bad year. This year, it started off mediocre as far as from a scoring standpoint. But to be honest, he's gotten better this year. He has. And Ristolainen is the reason. Ristolainen has really helped him by Ristolainen sort of being physical and being that guy you can count on. And I'm telling you, I, I was arguing with half the world and Mike Harrington because he, he called me drunk. It's like, you know, he totally disrespected me and I just let it go. And um, but fans were like, you're how could you say Ristolainen's having a good season? And they were giving me four year old takes on him like yeah. they haven't watched him enough this year. And they're so biased. And I realized what the problem is. They're still expecting him to be a power play guy and a 50-point guy. He's not that guy. No, he's, no he has not a in a second-pairing role. No, and he's got a good shot, but it's not It's not a fast re- release shot. So you yep. can't put him on the power play. So what he's done well is taking away some time and space, blocking shots, being physical. Those things are good. And he's a good passer. He does get the puck up the ice well. His first pass is good. When those things started to happen for Sanheim, he started to take more chances like he used to, and now he's, his chances are better. His his, his choices. Activations. Yeah. yeah, the activation's better. The choices are better. And now we're starting to see him dangle a bit more in the offensive zone. You know, I don't want to hear people who are like, well, listen, um, you know, even Dan Silver, who I go on a show once in a while and he's on, is like, hey, I heard from the scouts they were going to take Pasternak, but, but Hextall said, no, we wanted Sanheim. Whether that's true or not, again, I have to go back and tell you, Pasternak was like 155, 60 pounds. He was playing over in like the second tier in Sweden. He didn't have a massive year over there. And so there was an element of risk. And at that time, when Hextall was drafting for the Flyers with Chris Pryor, because he's really the one giving them the information, they were looking for players. They needed players. They needed guys to play and get to the NHL fairly quickly because they were depleted as an organization. They didn't want to take any home run swings, so they yeah. didn't. Except and, for when they got the Jay O'Brien. Yeah, well, that's yeah. The jury's out on on O'Brien, and and I just I think the a, jury's come in on him at this point. No, <laughs> you know what? It's funny. I think it's close, but I don't think it's there yet. He is actually doing okay at BU, and because I had to, I had to take a good look at him this year, and there's still a little something there. Yeah, but is it? Well, they had the point... two picks in that first round that year, so yeah. he was the swing. And, yes, you know, but but to Sanheim, you know, you're going to draft the D that you think is going to definitely make it to the NHL over the winger and Pasternak. That's a bit of yes. a, a flyer, especially when you're trying to rebuild a blue line. And we all yes. know D is more important than a winger. Yes, it is. Now, again, is it more important than a winger if he's going to score 48 goals in a year like yeah, Pasternak? We didn't know no, that, yeah. but we you didn't. Nobody knew that. <laughs> yeah. 
And now we started to get an idea pretty early in Pasternak's career when he came in Philly the first time. And I think he had either a one or a two goal game. And I was like, whoa, okay. He's really, you know, all of a sudden he's, also, he's ahead of schedule. Yeah. And he's also the benefactor of playing with two, yes. probably one definite Hall of Famer and probably, you know, Brad Marchand's probably going to end up being a Hall of Famer too. Yeah. When it's all said and done that, I mean, look at the space that you get when you, when you, uh, Patrice Bergeron is a perfect hockey player in my opinion. Oh yeah. No, no, He's he is. Coach's dream plays both ends of the ice incredibly well. Has great offensive instincts, better defensive instincts, and plays with structure and does all the things you want out of a player. And he continues to do it even into his mid thirties at this point. He might have been a first line center even on those seventies Montreal Canadiens team with all the geese. Yeah, he might have been a first line center for them. He's a great so that's, player. That's how good he is. Yeah, but, they should rename the ward. By the way, they should. To the Selkie, you don't want to just, you know, shoot Frank Selkie into the sun. You just make it the Selkie Bergeron Award. Yeah, I like that. You know? I like yeah. that. So, Provorov. So, yeah. I did see Provorov years ago in the USHL. This is before he went to the WHL and Branford. And everybody, again, has this Branford thing now where they're going to – they start ripping Hextall with Branford and, you know – You mean Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, sorry. Yeah, Branford's another place. You're in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Ontario. <laughs> Yes, Brandon. And so let's let's talk about Provorov. So he definitely came up at a good time because he was physically gifted. He was you could pile minutes on him and he's still the best conditioned guy in the team. That's there's no question about that. And he was Americanized. He was Americanized because he's better of his English parents. than me and you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He he is. And so and his you know, his parents are doctors. He was really into training. All those things are are true. He was never going to be dynamic offensively, even though they said he was going to be the number one. Again, Gostaspear had the way better shot, but he became the number one because Gostaspear's shot became erratic. And when you're missing the net, what the hell good is Shane Gostaspear at that point? So his shot, and I even started to say it, started to go through. And I'm like, you know what? They're better off using Provorov because at least the shot goes through. You got a chance to knock it in. And in good years, Provorov was pinching at the right time and getting some goals down at the hash marks. And he even did that a little this year and then it stopped. It just stopped dead. Yeah, and I think it's shattered. Yeah. And I think it stopped dead because when things started going bad for the team, the confidence on him definitely started to wane. And so it was good with Ellis. And then all of a sudden when they pulled the plug with Ellis, it started to just started to deteriorate slowly to what it is sort of now where, even his decision-making is affected now. But I think this is all temporary. And I'm not saying, look, maybe Ellis never gets hurt again. He plays the rest of his contract out, and it works out. He's probably not playing anymore this year. I just have that gut feeling. Wow. So, to, I mean, I just – my feeling is, you know how it's like it would have been better if it were a broken bone or something that would have been operated on already. But you know how it is if it's like a sprain this or a sore that, and you're trying to rehab it, rehab it, rehab it. And you could only get it to a certain point. My jumping off point was when he came off a of COVID protocol. And then I think it was um, Chuck that said he hasn't really made that much progress. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So he you look at it now and go, you almost go, what's the point? Right. The math that here's the thing, Russ. And, and this is the serious part of this show right now is that you have to look at the math because the math isn't getting more and more increasingly difficult to overcome. The yes. fact of the matter is this, the Flyers have played 35 games. They have 33 points. They're tied with Columbus in New Jersey. Not that those two teams will be factors in the wild card. One of them might be. 
I don't know. I, I mean, I, I look at the top eight teams right now in the Eastern Conference, and I go, they're the eight teams that are going. I don't see any changes. Just depends on the order because you've played, fo- you know, Boston right now is what five points up on the Flyers, but they have yeah. four games in hand. I know, and they're six, three, and one in their last ten. Yeah, and I don't see I, them dropping off, and they're going to get Rask back here I know. any day. They probably won't drop off, but I think it's literally four teams for the one spot because I think you're right. I don't think anything else is changing. Yeah. So I think it's four, you know, four teams going for one spot. So yeah, the math is bad. And the loss to San Jose was bad. You need as many of these two point games against teams that you should beat as you can. But getting back to Provorov, I would not trade him. I don't know where the trade remarks came from. I know Elliot maybe was thinking about it. I don't buy it because at 6.7, even if he doesn't turn out to be your true number one, and at some point he's your number two, guess what? At 6.7, that is still a bargain in today's market. You're going to have to pay six to keep Risto. I mean, he's making five-something now, and he's I think they might. Be here. I don't know. You don't think they're going to have interest? Well, I think they are I think they would be interested in signing him, but I think they're going to trade him at the deadline because I think they're going to have to sell pieces off. Well, they are going to have to sell some pieces off. I mean, Justin Braun you could sell. Uh, but Risto, if I could get him locked up for four years – even if he asks for a fifth, I might do it, and it's going to be like 6.1. I think I have to do it based on Ellis's health. What you what gave I up have, for him. What I gave up for him, which was a lot, and I said it was too much, and it definitely was too much, even though I like the season he's having. But yeah. if he only turns out to be a guy who gets traded again, it was too much. Well, what if you can recoup a first-round pick for him? Yeah, but it's going to be like a – 27, 28, 29, 30. It's not going to be a great first round pick. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a bottom of the of the deck. It's not going to be 13. Round. No, <laughs> it's not going to be 13. No, no so, team with the 13th pick is going to be trading for Rasmus Ristolainen. Right. So you're going to lose on that. It's it it. You know what it's like. It's like one of those guitars there. You bought it. You didn't like it. You return it to the guitar world, and they say there's a 20 percent restocking fee. So you say, all right, fine. You get your money back, but you're 20% down. That's how this trade's going to be. Yeah. Well, it's certainly not that Les Paul behind me. That's for sure. Because <laughs> I like it, and I'm keeping it. <laughs> or all those guitars I'm keeping. But um, they would have been long gone by now. Um, let, let me ask you about, because, yeah, Freach did mention Provorov. Uh, you know, he was kind of set up to ask about Provorov because he was asked specifically by Jeff Merrick about Provorov. And that, you know, the organization's looking at everything and trying to figure out what they have. I mean, we talked about Konechny. I'm sure they're having those questions about what do they have in Konechny and going forward. And I think he could yield a good return. But, I mean, at this point, there really is nothing untouchable when it comes to the Flyers, except for maybe Carter Hart. Um, But the sense of a rebuild... And and I know that's getting that word's getting thrown around. Tear it down to this, you know, foundation. They're not going to do that. They're not you can't do that. do that in the NHL, really. I mean, you can, but you know, it's easy to say that, Russ. I know. But do you have the stomach for it? Because it's a two-year just to tear everything down and get the, you know, the the bagster in the driveway and haul everything off, and then you're starting to rebuild, and then it's three to five years, and there's no guarantee. Look at Ask some the of the Oilers. teams that did it. Yeah. And and then they had Lady Luck on their side. How about mm-hmm. four number one overall picks in six years? They got the best player to probably to ever set foot on the planet in Connor McDavid. And they got dry settle. They get a little lucky on to, to be, you know, giving the, you know, the, 
the production that he gives, and they ain't going to make the playoffs this year again. So there's no guarantee that team success comes with winning the lottery and all that. And I always say, and I always say with the Rangers, Panarin wanted to play there. Fox wanted to play there. That ended the rebuild. (laughs) And and look, if they would have had, Bill brought this up on Flyers Daily, if they would have had Capo Caco and Lafreniere, they're those no, guys they're are, not ready. No, they're not no. even close. They're, they're I think New Jersey Devils. Right. I think Lavernier is starting to, to show a little something. But you're yeah. right. Kako, I'm, I have big questions about. <laughs> big questions about. Yeah. And he's so, a no, number two right. overall. Yes. I mean, look, so it also Colorado depends on gets Kale McCarr at, at four, right? After yeah. uh, Heischer, Nolan Patrick, um, and then Heiskanen. And then they grab Kale McCarr, who's a bit of a risk player. And first of all, how was he never converted to a forward? I don't know. But. And they put him along with McKinnon. Now, all of a sudden, the McKinnon, you know, that looks better in Colorado. But they okay, have so let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because I still feel in my heart, I was right when I said Nolan Patrick has the better skill level than he share. And I would take him number one as a result. And he does. I yep. didn't know what was going to happen with his head or what was going to happen between his ears. Both of those things are a problem for him. And that's something you can't foresee when you're doing draft lists, right? And I'm just looking at prospects. So, but you could see he had the talent. And the it's body, probably, everything. And the yeah. body, all that. It's probably never going to fully imagine now because even I, you know, even Vegas is going to be lucky if they get much out of him. Uh, Kale McCarr. So, Kale McCarr coming out of the AJHL, I started to get a beat on him thanks to like guys like Mark Edwards and Shane Malloy. They would do my Hockey Prospect radio show. I started to pay more attention to him and I looked at it and I'm like, I know he's putting up amazing numbers in the AJHL, but I admit at that time, I didn't feel as good about that league then as I do now. McCarr yeah. helped a lot in that, <laughs> in yeah, that legitimized the league. Yeah. Yeah. And so you looked at that. He wasn't strong. He was a great skater. Oh my God. He was a great skater. That was obvious, but still, even at that point, you didn't know how much skating, or at least I didn't know how much skating would dominate the game in the future. I knew everything's getting faster. That was obvious. But it's not like Heiskanen dominates the game with speed. He doesn't. McCarr does, though. But there was a risk factor with Kale McCarr. Yeah, like, hey, player. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he's going to be either all or nothing. Like, that was, I think that was the feeling for Kale McCarr. So I think that's why a few teams you know, decided to go safer. Now, New Jersey went with Heischer because they wanted a guy they could market. We all knew that Nolan Patrick was not a good interview. He did horrible interviews with New, with New Jersey, and they wanted Heischer because they wanted to put him out in front and say, hey, at least for now, he's our franchise guy. And, and that part worked out for them because that's what they were looking for. Yeah. So everybody always – And Nolan had, had the personality of a napkin. Right, and that's the problem. So everybody always wants to look at – in retrospect, how easy it could be. Even Heiskanen, when I had some guys telling me how good Heiskanen was, and I think Mark Edwards was the one who was highest on him, I still had him a few spots lower. I still wasn't 100% sold because he saw something I didn't, and that's great. That's what he, you know, he's, he's a real scout. I'm not. I'm a prospect guy who has great respect for it, you know, and I, and I do my diligence. I watch the players. I make my lists. I write about them. So that's where, that's where my strength is. His strength is, he, you know, he's actually was a coach. But Heiskanen, again, wasn't 100% slam dunk in that draft. If he were, then he would have been taken first or second or third. So yeah. 
you know, you always have to look at it that way. And so then I know at some point we'll talk about this draft. I will tell you this. One of the sillier things I saw on Twitter today was, well, we're going to trade Giroux. Let's trade some other things. The other first round pick and let's go up and get the first pick and get Shane Wright. You don't have enough to get Shane Wright. No, you don't. And Shane Wright's not a generational player. First of all, the word generational gets thrown around way too much now. It does. (laughs) To me, there's been maybe in my lifetime, six generational players since 1980. I'll go, obviously, Gretz, Mm -hmm. Lemieux. Mm -hmm. I'll go Crosby. Mm -hmm. I will go Ovechkin. Mm -hmm. And I will go McDavid. To me, even Austin Matthews is a notch below. Mm. When you make he, a, I think a he's generation, generational, he could I'll, be. He's I'm not there slip yet. Him in. I called him generation, but I but I am very careful with that remark too. Yeah, and I, mean, I think you're right. Generational is a once in a generation. Yeah, they may be a superstar. Yes, but like generational is a superstar, but he's not generation. Yeah, he's not generation. I mean, he wasn't even drafted. Uh, yeah. But you look at these guys, right? And you go, okay, generational. Like McDavid was, you were waiting three years in advance knowing, uh-oh, look what's coming, right? Right. And Ovechkin, the same thing. Crosby, yes. the same thing. But people just want to throw around the term oh, generational like it's, you know, is Bedard in 2023, is he generational? He's close. He's close I to might, that? I might say like, that in 23. Can't, can't miss? Yeah, I might say that in 23. I'm not saying it yet. But like Owen Power have... wasn't last year. No, and he's really good. I mean, you'll see in yeah. the Olympics how good he is. What about Rasmus Stalin? Was he generational? Because no. he was getting compared to Nick Lidstrom. Yeah, that was silly. You know me. I don't do those comparisons. Yeah. But I know he was. Yeah, that's and so no, unfair to the, the player to do that. It's just ridiculous <laughs> most times. And yeah. so, yeah, I I don't think Dalene was generational. Yeah, like, and I don't, I don't think, think Eichel, Eichel's not. He's not generational, generational. No. no. He's a really good player. But he's not yeah. generational. Generational is a whole different ball game to me. It really is. And uh, so, so with Wright, yeah, he's a center. He's smart. He's fast. He's decisive. He has a great one timer. He could play defense. He, you know, he had some slippage in his game a little at times this year. Bedard had a lot of slippage until all of a sudden, you know, he walked into the uh, World Juniors for as long as that lasted, and and was starting to light it up. But again. Um, in typical Team Canada fashion, uh, he had to work his way up. It's like, you're like the 13th forward this game, Connor. And then the next game, it's like, you're the 13th forward, and he scores two goals. You're on the second line, Connor. It's like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, come on, man. They, yeah. they did that with McCarr, too. They made him like an extra defenseman. And by the end of the Olymp- uh, World Juniors, when he won gold, he was, uh, I think, either second pairing or, or number two. So, you know, they, they do that all the time. But it would be, it would be more... In to make sense for the Flyers, and this is a bit of a longer play, but if you're trying to trade off thing pieces this year to trade off picks in the 2023 draft in the 2022, wouldn't that be right? No, you want to be in every draft. Yeah. You do. I, I I don't feel like you you if you want to be heavier in one than the other, that's fine. I'm not good enough on the 23 draft to tell you it's better than the 22. Yeah, I'm just because Bedard's yet. in the 2023. It doesn't mean the whole draft is better. Exactly, yeah. People get get infatuated by that. And, you know, just the top of the draft might be there. But if you're not drafting at the very top of the draft, it doesn't matter. Let me ask you, Russ, about coaching. Because yeah. Mike Yo, you know, the team has the 10-game winless skid. He comes in. He's basically hired the day of a game with Colorado that night. And they kind of yeah. get things moving in the right direction. I don't want to say they, you know, got things 
they were playing well. I didn't think they were playing great, but the result were better. And they had a seven game point streak. Now they've lost five straight. And as much as I put that seven game win point streak on Mike, Yo, I don't put the five game losing streak on Mike, Yo when you right. consider everything, but you know, if the, this team and who the next coach is going to be, whether it's yo, somebody else really depends on the direction they go and how, you know, I think this is going to be more like a retool kind of thing. It's not going to be mm-hmm. a strip it all the way down. They're just not going to do that. No, nobody's got the stomach for it. And I don't know that that, I don't think that's the right tactic anyway, but I, I look at a team like Anaheim and I go, it's, I think it's got to be what Anaheim did. Mm-hmm. When I look at them now and I go, okay, they still have gets left there, but, they also have Trevor Zegers and they have Jamie Drysdale. And now all of a sudden they've got these young players that are really exciting to me. You know, Zegers is a get your ass out of the seat electric player. Oh, yeah. I don't know that he's going to be a superstar, but right now he excites me. I think that's the direction to go. So if that's the direction they go with a retool, maybe a little step back uh, to, to restock a little bit, but they're, you're not going to rip it down to the studs. Who's the coach that fits that? It's a good question. I also want to, he could be, I, I feel like David Quinn was starting to get it before he got axed. Yep. Um, he, he actually was getting a lot out of Lafreniere at the time. Cause he was playing him on the second line and Gallant doesn't really do that. He started to do that when COVID hit, um, you know, Quinn could be that guy. I do want to say this, an overlooked fact that I felt bad for Mike Yo is they never gave him an assistant from the outside. Somebody, you know, Nick Schultz, no offense. He doesn't have enough experience to really be able to help Mike Yo on the fly like that. He just didn't. And Lappy, same thing. They really needed to get somebody in there with him, and they never did. And it's like Chuck stopped looking, too. Like a so, Rick Wilson type thing. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, call up somebody who's retired. Who mm-hmm. You know, call Terry Murray and say, hey, could you come in for eight weeks? He, he might do it. You don't know. Yeah, yeah you're right. So that kind of thing could have been great for Mike Yo. So I felt like he was at a disadvantage right from the get-go. Really was. And But we know he's not going to be the next coach now. We're, we're 99% sure of that. So, you know, based on that, um, Quinn is a good choice. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I, you know, I mean, Tockett you have to look at. The Tockett thing is interesting because he came in, what, after Melrose and – he let Stamkos play because Melrose didn't, and that helped him. And he was good um, with a team that was pretty well set up, but I don't know if he was great with youngsters. He didn't have a ton of youngsters, you know. There were some. Cooper was the guy that was great with the youngsters. He brought them all up from Rochester. and Not Rochester, um, Syracuse. He brought them all up. Where he was. Where he was, and that was the infusion of youth they needed. Yeah. So that's where the Flyers are in between. And if they're gonna if they're gonna go somewhat young, I don't know if Tockett has enough to do that. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the worry. worry on Torts. To me, Torts is a veteran no, coach. No, no, he's a veteran coach. You don't. I don't think Torts would be good in this market. In the sense, he'd be good at the beginning because yes, he would have things spelled out as to what you need to do, but. Um, as an example, if you brought in torts, I think G would, um, <laughs> Giroux would immediately say, you know, I think I've been here wave long enough note. and, and he would wave the no trade. I really do. I feel like that would be a tipping point for him. I think it definitely would be a tipping point for a guy like JVR. Like 
There's no way he would want to. Everybody's, everybody's yelling right now, higher torts. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to understand that the personnel, there's going to be a change in personnel yeah. if you hire torts. And so you have to build that personnel now for that coach. I, I wouldn't do it because there's some pieces that are going to be here. Even JVR may still be here. I know it's easy to say, hey, trade him and pay for half the salary. Easy to say. I don't know if Comcast is going to pay for half his salary. Yeah. So nobody's taking JVR at his oh, you full can buy salary. Him out too. You could buy him out, but then here's the problem with the buyout. And you're stretching out the pain too, if you ask me. Right. This is the issue with the buyout. And this is – I said this was a big problem for the Rangers with the buyout, and I still think it is. And it has – we'll give them, I, did, I think, dead cap space next year. The Shattenkirk buyout, I knew, hey, Shattenkirk isn't working out here, but Shattenkirk could still play. Yeah. You buy out JVR – He's going to go to some other team. They're going to give him some power play time. They're going to do what Babcock did and play him a lot on the power play. Yep. Yep. And protected minutes. And he's going to score 25 goals. And everybody's going to be like, why'd we buy him out? Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know, that's going to happen. Yeah. So I, you're right. So I don't think I would want the dead cap space to do that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not paying any team, uh, uh, any kind of draft or prospect equity to take him off my hands. No. I'd rather him play here and just be totally clear the year after. You know, the yes. interesting thing about Tortorella, you know, we look at NHL coaches and they go, oh, they got two-year shelf lives, two, three years, right? That's the average. Yeah. Tortorella coached seven seasons in Tampa. He coached six seasons with the Rangers. He coached mm-hmm. six seasons in Columbus. The only misnomer, the only one there that's kind of the outlier is obviously Vancouver where yeah. he was a one and done because he melted down out there. Right, but he learned from it and went to. Then he went to Columbus, he and and from all the people that I've talked to, guys have loved playing for him. Most yeah, he, guys he like drives him hard, but they like him. He's a coach's, he's a player's coach, even though he's hard on him. Unless you're a player like Line A, right? Yeah, most guys like him. I think that's fair, but I just don't think he's gonna be the guy to do it. I don't even know if he really truly wants to coach anymore. Mm, I've heard that he does. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I've already answering that phone. If you, if it rings. Yeah. If <laughs> yeah. it rings. Yeah. I, I think he's a competitor. That's why I think he would fly in this market from the, the, I think the fans would love him. I mean, the old school fans would like him. I don't know if the new school fans would like him. So it'd be the analytics community versus the eye test community again. It could be. It oh, could be. Shit. I can't deal with that. Well, Cause you know, <laughs> listen, I, I don't even know how amenable torts is to analytics. I've never asked him. He's about got it. his own. I think he probably does. Yeah. Every team's got their own version of analytics and yes, the public analytics are, are different and they're measured differently. But yeah, I know torts. And here's a weird thing ones. about torts too. A lot of times I say negative things about him because he does things that when you look at it from the outside, drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. And they do. He's the nicest guy in the world when he's ever talked to me or I've come in contact with him outside of a scrum with Larry Brooks. If yeah. Larry's there, forget it. It, it, yeah. it changes everything. It's a show then. Well, I will tell you this, and I'm trying to get him on for Thursday. Torts actually launched an analytics company. Oh, wow. And he doesn't even know it. Well, he probably <laughs> knows it now. Yeah. Because Stephen Valaket was there with uh, Henrik Lundqvist when yeah. Torts was the coach. And Stephen Valaket basically did, you know, ha- that's where the, the seeds for ClearSight Analytics began. Because going to the locker room after a game and Torts is going, I need more saves, I need more saves. And, you know, Valley's going up to 
Lundquist and saying, dude, I had you plus two on the day. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. he had the system of 28 points a data that he developed based on shot quality over shot quantity. See, and I didn't realize that. And I don't think yeah. the time that we had Valley on, he said that, but he's a smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to Valley about it before. And, That's and good. They're playing the Rangers this weekend. So I got to yes. get Valakat on. And, you know, the way he kind of breaks things down and shot quality and all that. Uh, is really, I think it's really interesting. And I love, you know, I love geeking out about goaltending. Um, Russ, when you look at the Eastern Conference, let's break out the, I want to break out the Park Sportsbook app here. Our okay. great sponsor, Park Sportsbook. Make sure you download the app, get that $500 risk-free bet. Give them a follow on Twitter, on social media, at Twitter, at Park Sportsbook. It's always right there in my favorites too. Um, follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You'll get great content there as well. And I'm going to log in here because I, I want to throw a couple of these Eastern Conference teams at you okay. to see where the value is. All right. And we've kind of looked at this stuff before. Let me go to sports betting and then I hit the little puck, which is favorited on my phone as it's verifying my location. I'm on Earth. And my oh, you, you, you want an outside um, guy for a coach that just hit me that yeah. always should have been but was having some family issues and had to stay in Ottawa. I always felt like Luke Richardson would be a good coach here. Yeah. You know, I I talked to a couple guys about him, including uh, Keith Jones. And they all said the same thing. Like he's a really good coach. Yeah. The only problem is, is it's going to be this notion that, Oh, you got another old flyers, tough guy. They just keep hiring people in the organization, which is bullshit. It is. If you talk (laughs) to him, it is bullshit because he's a very knowledgeable guy. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a head coach in the league. He is. And the other part of it too, Russ is, you know, the flyers don't just hire guys. was Elaine Vigneault a former flyer. Is Mike Yo a former flyer is Dave Haxtell a former flyer. No. Was Scott Gordon a former flyer? Was Peter Laviolette a former? So that like that whole thing is yeah, yeah, like, yeah. tired. Um, all right, so the Eastern Conference. Here are the Eastern Conference winner to go to the Cup right now. That the best odds right now are the Toronto Maple Leafs, who haven't won a playoff series since I had hair, and maybe you had hair at plus three fifty. Tampa is plus four hundred. I don't know how you cannot take that. Florida Panthers at plus four fifty and Carolina at plus 700. Um, if there's any other teams you like in here, like the Buffalo Sabres are plus 75,000 to win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, what's Minnesota at? Well, they're they're in the West. Oh, we said we're just doing the East, so I'm taking just Florida. The, yeah, just the East. I'm taking You're gonna Florida. You're going to go Florida at that. Well, let me go back. Plus 400. Just, okay, uh, that's a division winner now. So how do I go back? Okay. I'm trying to go back, and it's – oh, there we go. I was scrolled down to preseason. Far. They were my favorite to, to, to win the cup. And I still think they will. Okay. Yeah. They're plus four fifty. Four fifty. I'm taking them. pretty good. The capitals are at seven fifty. They're surprising me. Penguins yeah. are plus 900. It's not bad. No Boston plus 900 flyers are plus 55 hunch. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> no. no, but okay. So here's why I would take Florida. Tampa does look great right now. I felt like with the fight that Florida gave Tampa last year, if they Mm. did a few more things this year, and look, Tampa's still going to do some things too, that they would beat them in a series. And I think if they match up, they're going to beat them in a series. They have such depth on that in that organization now uh, that I think they can beat them. They're strong down the middle. Yeah. Really strong down the middle. Barkov's so good. Barkov. (laughs) Ekblad's having it. Uh, our season yeah Ekblad healthy is is a beast yeah uh even Bob like I I thought it would be Spencer Knight it's Bob 
Yeah, so, no, he's bounced back really well. He's bounced back. It's taken a little while. They have um, a good penalty kill. They have, like I said, they have a lot of depth. They brought in guys, you know, Anthony Duclair. That's been great for them. Yeah, negotiated his Carter, own deal. Carter Verhage, two years signing two years ago, I think, right? Yeah, great for them. All of it's worked. So yeah. I just think it's easy to talk about the Leafs and their offense and everything. Um, and I like Jack Campbell, and I do think he's an upgrade. I don't know if the Leafs will be able to get out of the second round. I think yeah, they I'm might get out of the big first. Big on Campbell. No, I am. And, and they're, I, they're better defensively. I just don't. I don't know if I believe they are better that. defensively. I'll tell you what Campbell does better than. Um, and the reason I can't pick Carolina is, um, for regular season Freddie is different than playoff Freddie. Yeah. And so I don't have any faith in Freddie Anderson in the playoffs. He's got to prove it to me. Jack Campbell is a battler, and he's a mental, strong mental guy. I think what happened to him at a juniors when he first got into the into NHL is I think. He tried too hard and burned himself out. That's what I think because he always had the physical skills, but mentally he is a guy like even now, like the other night, you know, the Leafs give up four goals late and, and there he's like taking it all. He's like, it's me. I got to be better. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I'm like, and I'm like, I think that's what burnt him out before, Mm -hmm. but now on the Leafs, it's a little different because they've seen lesser goaltending and they know what he's been doing for them. And his whole thing has been, can he stay healthy? And he's, and he's staying healthy. So if that's working out, um, I really feel like they could get out of the first round, depending on the matchups. And this is the other thing. Look, I always have this thing. I like killing the Leafs. I've liked it since childhood. It's just a thing. I even one time at the border went with the guy, Adam Raider, we drove to, the hockey hall of fame. We were writing, getting ready to write a book. We had to do some research and not related to cap Raider. No, no. He did a hundred Ranger greats with me and he did a hundred things. Ranger fans should know or do before they die. So we were going to do that book and we wanted to get some hall of fame stuff. So we're going up to the hall of fame and we get pulled over, you know, at the border stop and they're like, go inside. And so we go inside and I see there's a picture of the queen and I'm like, Hey, do you, why do you guys even care about the queen anymore? And they're like, well, you know, it's just kind of a thing. And I'm like, are all of you Leaf fans? Like, just tell me now. And, and Raider looks at me and he's like, can you shut up? I want to get <laughs> over the border here. He's thinking we're going to get locked up. Yeah. You're so, having that conversation at the board. You're like, let's just get through. Yeah. Put the stamp on the, on the passport <laughs> and then we can have conversation. But this is how I've always been. Yeah. But honestly, with the way that division is this year, the way the league is this year, if the Leafs were to lose in the first round, aside from getting swept, I may not have to, I may not kill them. I don't know if there's a good matchup for them. Like, it's yeah. just every team is a killer. Yeah, this Eastern Conference, I mean, the top six teams are over 700 winning percentage. It's yeah. like nothing I've ever seen before. No, like, I'll give you a good example. Years ago, um, the Rangers were facing the Atlanta Thrashers. I'm like, they're going to sweep them. There's no sweeps anymore. Very rare. And now rare. you're not going to, I I would be shocked if you see a sweep in the first round this year. So not in the tough. East. Yeah. No, I don't see one in the East. Yeah. I really don't. Now, um, if you ask me about the West, about the uh, gambling part. All right. Let me give you uh Minnesota. Cause that so, was my pick to yeah. make it to the cup and come out of the West preseason. Colorado's got the best odds at plus two and a quarter Vegas at two seventy five. The Minnesota tremendous value. Seven fifty. <sighs> On the Parks app. Oof. 
I may have to sign up for the Farks app. That's those are some good odds, and I still yeah, think it's a good team. It's a good team. Yeah, they, they get the goaltending from Talbot. It's a good team. I think they're seven fifty now because Kaprizov's hurt, and they don't know yeah. if he were there. I think he'd be down to four hundred or four fifty, yeah. and that's fine. Maybe you know I got to look into the Kaprizov thing because that does matter if they're going to get yeah. out of the West or not. But um, you know Rossi's playing for him now. Boldy's playing like they do have guys that could possibly fill in with a lot of young talent. Uh, they never got rid of Dumba Spurgeon. Yep. Their defense Spurgeon's is solid. There, yep. I got to tell you, um, other guys on Chuck offense. Chuck did a hell of a job building that team. He did. He did. He just, he got capped out, you know, and um, that team, the power play is good and they score a lot of goals. Oh, he froze there. Did it froze there? Yeah. As soon as I gave Chuck credit, I said, Chuck did a good job building that team. <laughs> <laughs> and it froze. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. No, oh. but they have they score a lot of goals. Like I don't think people are realizing. And and here's a guy I want to ask you: Was Ryan Hartman used correctly here? Ryan Hartman is it, this is lightning in a bottle. It, uh, it's not it, everywhere it's not. he's been. He he hasn't done this. He did it in juniors. And yeah, but he hasn't done it at the NHL level. I know, just, I know, but his he shooting percentage is over the moon right now. It's going to come back to earth. But he's getting used on the power play. Did any yeah. of these teams use him on the power play? The answer is no. no. Did he show, ever show you anything that he deserved power? But play he time? did in his previous life. So it's just, yeah. I think it's interesting. I stopped pucks they, in my previous life too. Do I belong in the NHL? No, you have a height <laughs> limitation. Yes, but <laughs> nobody gets nobody. No goalie under six foot or even close to even. You have to be at least 6'1 now to get a goalie job in the NHL. Other than UC Saros and Bernier, it's rare. Yeah. So you were, you know, you were going to be challenged anyhow. All right. Last thing, um, yeah. because there's a commenter uh, on the stream that is making two comments. One I agree with, one I vehemently disagree with. We'll start with the one I disagree with. Don Vito, and I put it up on the screen, says three on three overtime live is the best thing in sports. I agree. I hate three. I disagree, rather. I hate three on three. I'll tell you why I hate it. And and you could call me a purist. There's a lot of free-flowing points coming out of three-on-three three that would never happen five-on-five. Five. I don't know why my internet's taking a shit right here at the end. Yeah, all right. I'm going to say this. There's a lot of points that happen. Oh, yeah, you're still there. A lot of points that happen three-on-three three that would never happen five-on-five. Five. So yep. I don't like it from that perspective because guys, after like a decade – they're going to get a lot of extra points out of this that they would never get in five on five hockey. Totally agree. Um, the one point I will agree with, and I'll put it up on the screen and we'll wrap the show on this. Awesome show. I agree, Don Vito. And Russ Cohen has a great hockey mind. Well, I agree thanks. with that. So there you go. You got your fan club out there. I, I appreciate that, Don Vito. Uh, you know, next time I'm at the Sons of Italy, I'll leave, a, I'll leave something in the jar for you. Yeah. Tell Bam we said hello because Don Vito was his uh, drunk uncle, member <laughs> <laughs> On Jackass and, and all those shows. So I Oh, I didn't watch Jackass. Okay. Before Don Vito passed away, you'd see – I see Bam's dad every once in a while, my neighborhood giant. Oh, you, you know, the Bam guy, I know because he's done so many other things, but I just feel like that guy was a disaster in life. I felt bad. I mean – He made a lot of money. I do know who Don Vito is, though, because I'd seen enough clips that yeah. – yeah. But and I know That's he did Phil's pass. brother, Phil Margera, his dad, yeah. dad's brother, Don Vito. Yeah, he, he did make a lot of money, but I just felt like that poor guy's a disaster in life. Like yeah. he just didn't have to like do anything. He just was like this skateboarding guy. Yeah, brilliant businessman though. And he's yeah. hit, he's hit his head more times than I have. Oh yeah. 
Uh, all right, that's going to put a wrap on Stick to Hockey Live. Remember, uh, get the Park Sportsbook app, and uh, you get that free $500 bet. No promo required. Just deposit. If you lose, your first bet is risk-free up to $500. You can download it for your iPhone, for your Android. Easy to use. Russ is going to get it now and take the wild on the Park Sportsbook line at plus 750. It's hard that's to pass odds. up. Um, give him a follow on Twitter, at Park Sportsbook, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and you'll get great content there and daily specials as well. We'll be back Thursday, another episode of Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody, thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time on the Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Shh.